Ben, how's everybody feeling today on this Monday here on Sports 1140 KHDK? Feeling good? Looking good. Oh, yeah. Everybody's good. I like to hear that. Well, here we go. Jason Ross here with you on Sports 1140 KHDK. We've got a busy day. Lots of action going on here today. Normally, we'd have a Monday night football game for you tonight, but a Monday night football will go on. But we got Kings basketball tonight. Kings Right here at home again. Still a little quirk. It's happened the last couple of years where they have home back-to-backs. They played yesterday afternoon against Indiana and right back here at home today against the Phoenix Suns. So our rundown, we go till 5.30, and then we'll have game night, uh, 6.30. We'll have Kings Live pregame, and then, of course, 7 o'clock, the tip-off. The G-Man, Gary Gerald, will have the call of the Kings and the Phoenix Suns, game number 11. And kind of speaking on that today before we wrap up in our 5 o'clock hour, uh, the Kings at 10. They've hit 10 games. They're 5-5. Five and five. We will kind of address that and um, tell you what we like, what needs to get better. Uh, but more things are good right now, I would say, for the Sacramento Kings. Certainly not perfect. It never will be. But um, very encouraged by what we've seen, where it feels like it's going, how they compete each day. We'll kind of do a deeper dive into that, though, coming up at 5 o'clock. The Kings at 10 uh, through 10 games. And then also the crossover. That's coming up in our 5 o'clock hour. In the 4 o'clock hour, another weekend of NFL action just happened. And uh, it was a wild weekend. And and what you think you have a, a grasp on and an idea of what, how the NFL looks, the predictable nature that it can have, uh, was very unpredictable this weekend. Some first-place teams took hits. Uh, <clears throat> Raiders included. We see you. We saw what you did this weekend. Uh, we will get into that. Uh, kind of the best and worst of the NFL weekend. we got some baseball news, weekend roundup, and lots of stuff on the Kings uh, to get you caught up on as uh, we get ready for another show here. We'll start by saying Capital Casino is back with indoor gaming and dining located inside at 411 16th Street in downtown Sacramento. But let's start you out right now with First Things First. First Things First. First Things First. Well, we begin with the Kings and their weekend of Friday and Sunday. One win and one loss. He's going to try for three. Why not? He scores the triple. It's a new franchise high of three-pointers made. It comes with 30 seconds to go in the ballgame, and it's 140 to 110. Halliburton with the inbounds pass to Holmes. Back to Halliburton for three. Grazes the iron. No good. Pacers rebound. A foul called on the Kings, and that will pretty much... Pretty much sealed the deal. Yeah, so mixed bag for the Sacramento Kings. Uh, the win was spectacular on Friday. Uh, a clinic put on by this team, 140 points. Franchise record, as you heard there, described by the G-Man, 22 made threes. Uh, the highlights of that, obviously, are the three-pointers, just all of them going in. The the points scored. Charlotte just no regard. They didn't even attempt to guard the Kings. We came in talking about them being the league's uh, you know, league pass must-watch team. And they showed that. I mean, they get up and down the floor. They they go with great pace. And what I loved about that game was the Kings and Coach Walton. He told us in his show last week that no, we're gonna we're gonna run with them. We're not afraid to back down. And uh, Lindsey Harding was the Kings assistant coach that night on our pregame show with G Man. She's like, no, bring it. We want to go. We want to play with pace. And the Kings did that much better than Charlotte and just got a dominant win. Showed what they're capable of. And I wouldn't expect the threes to go like that every night. What I loved the most was that they doubled them up. They lapped them in, in rebounds. That's something this team is has an issue on, and we will reflect on that when we get to the Kings at 10 uh, coming up at 5 o'clock. But 
yeah, I thought that was great. It was great to see the uh, the distribution to all different people scoring, and it was just one of those nights where I've said we've seen that happen a lot in the NBA where the worst thing that happens in a night like that is halftime because then whatever, what happened at halftime? Nothing. Just you stop playing, the little bit of a break, and then the shots weren't going and you look like a different team. That didn't really happen that night. Kings watched their large lead get down to 12, which was the scariest it was, and blew it right back up to 30 and won that one on Friday. So that was that was a great performance all the way around. And to see Rashawn Holmes get a 20-20 night was, was fantastic. And energy in the building was good. All of it was good. So then you get to last night, and I don't know how much worse the Kings play. There was a few things that you can question that Sacramento did on that game. Uh, continuing uh, with, I mean, they missed shots. That was an obvious thing. And the pace was different. But how come they couldn't get it to the pace that they wanted to? Indiana clearly played the game on their terms, slowed it down drastically, and then just what we said what the Kings did to Charlotte in rebounding, Indiana did to the Kings. They just dominated the boards. It's one of the few teams that can throw two big guys out there that can play and move uh, that the Kings will see this year with Turner and Sabonis. It's not the best team, but it's a tough matchup team, and it proved to be that last night. Now, the guards, though, created as much of a problem. Malcolm Brogdon wasn't there, and I thought that was going to be a huge boost to the Kings. But you had um, T.J. McConnell play a really good game. He was stopping starts and slippery and got in and out of spots and was really difficult. But you know what? He also wasn't shooting any jumpers. I thought the Kings were going under screens, um, excuse me, over screens, and leaving that opportunity for driving lanes as opposed to let him hit some threes. Let him do something. Let Levert shoot threes. Levert was trying to get to that mid-range game. So I thought that was something that maybe some adjustments that could have been made during the game. And then you also hope at some window some shots would start to drop. And when it did um, was early fourth quarter. Tyrese put the team ahead with that three, and I thought, okay, here we go. This is this is the opportunity this team needs to really get cooking. And it just didn't quite happen. They stayed with it. They battled. They had opportunities all the way to the end probably hurried the last sequence where Tyrese can make that long three, but um, it was set up, as Coach Walton said, post-game for Harrison Barnes. Didn't quite finish there, or didn't quite get it to there, and ultimately lost. But 5-5 five and five through 10, as the Kings had a 1-1 one one weekend this last weekend. All right, let's get you more First Things First. First Things First. First Things First. first. All right, the Kings... Well, they host the Phoenix Suns tonight. Fox with the inbounds to Barnes. He turns. He fires for the win. He's got the bucket at the buzzer. Harrison Barnes, in very similar fashion to his victory last year at Golden 1 Center against the Cleveland Cavaliers, I believe it was, has just nailed a buzzer-beating three. The Kings win it 110-107. Oh, what a great call. What a great finish to that game in the first matchup of the year between these two teams. It was in Phoenix, and, yeah, it came right down to the end. Kings had a lead in the fourth quarter, watched it uh, whittle away, but then Harrison Barnes saved the best for last, another walk-off win for the Sacramento Kings, and that's what happened the last time they played. Now, in that game, some things of note to take from that one that will be different to- than tonight was DeAndre Ayton. DeAndre Ayton is not available tonight. He was 21-21 and that game. And honestly, I felt like Phoenix got away from him as that game went along. So that'll be something that'll be a different element tonight. You also got to expect Phoenix 
you know, how will they play that? What they've been doing lately is starting JaVale McGee, but utilizing Frank Kaminsky as much as uh, even more so than JaVale McGee. So matchups will be interesting tonight. Um, I had someone ask me about the, uh, you know, these two games, Indiana and Phoenix. I said, well, of course I want the Kings to win, to win all of them. But if I was only, if I was told they were going to get one and which one would I want, it was actually Phoenix. I mean, I think there's more importance in trying to beat the Phoenix Suns than the Indiana Pacers. I think it's more difficult to beat the Phoenix Suns than the Indiana Pacers, especially without uh, Malcolm Brogdon in the game last night. But uh, the Kings lost an opportunity yesterday. It was another game where they've had the lead in the fourth quarter of every single game. And and this lead was only three, so it wasn't like they they blew this huge lead. They were the one that came back from... 15 points, which was matching their largest deficit of the season. So the Kings tonight against Phoenix, this would be another opportunity to just kind of launch you right into the upcoming road trip. It would give you a 3-1 and homestand, which you take any day, and get you into that next group of five games. If you take them in five-game chunks, uh, the Kings went 3-2 and in the uh, first group and 3-2 and in the – or, excuse me, in 2-3 and three in the second group. So um, – Doing some good things. Still have to keep going. Five and five is more than respectable. It's putting them right in the mix in the Western Conference. There's a lot of parity, and they're part of it. And so if you can get a 2-0 season series advantage on Phoenix, that would be great. Phoenix, by the way, was one and three when uh, the Kings beat them after that Harrison Barnes buzzer beater. Remember they had that five-game homestand, and they said anything less than 5-0 and would be disappointing. Well, they went four and one, which is a really good homestand. So they're now 5-3. and three. They've won four in a row, and uh, they're here tonight to take on the Kings. All right, let's get you more First Things First. First Things First. All right, we'll transition to football and the NFL as Monday Night Football tonight will wrap up what I think was a pretty wild week around the NFL. Uh, tonight you've got the Chicago Bears and the Pittsburgh Steelers. And both teams, I would say, of the two – I know they both made the postseason a year ago. Uh, it feels like Pittsburgh's been the more disappointing team to me. They're four and three. Um, Chicago, I, I'm not that surprised by their record, where they are based on kind of one talent, two what they've gone through, and kind of juggling the quarterback situation. So if you look back at the Bears' season so far, they had the uh, big loss to the Rams. Uh, they beat the Bengals, which is a good win. Lost to the uh, Browns. Beat the Lions beat the Raiders, and then had losses to the Packers, the Buccaneers, and the 49ers. So um, they're a team that I think when they play better talent than them, they they haven't shown as, as well as they probably should. But they're trying to go through it right now with Justin Fields and get him opportunities, get him reps, and make sure he is the quarterback of the future and have him go through these situations where he sees how each team elects to defend him and so he can learn from that and he's better in year two, three, four, and so on. So I believe they've got their guy. I like Fields. He's shown some some really good instincts, but I would say the area of his game when you watch him that's got to get better, his pocket presence. Um, he, he takes off. I think that's good. He runs, but he has been sacked a lot this year and not always feeling where the pressure's coming from. That's an innate ability that some guys just have or have a better sense where – You know, you hear that phrase, does he have eyes in the back of his head? Well, people just get it or understand it or feel it. He doesn't always seem to feel it to me by watching him. And part of it could be an offensive line issue, certainly. But um, 
he's got uh, he's got, but that's why he's getting the reps. That's why he's working at it, and that's why he's hopefully uh, getting better at it. As far as Pittsburgh goes, you know they're in a spot where their division is just so good. You know you're trying to keep up now in this AFC North that you know the Bengals I think have been a surprise to an extent this year. Uh, Baltimore's always good. Cleveland I think when fully healthy is dangerous. And then there's Pittsburgh that's still right there in the mix. If you look at the division, you got Baltimore at six and two, uh, both five and four for Cleveland and Cincinnati after the Browns beat Cincinnati yesterday, and Pittsburgh is four and three. So it's pretty amazing that division. How you can't have too much slippage if you're uh, one of the teams, otherwise you're going to be buried by the others. And Pittsburgh this year started out their year in style with the win in Buffalo. And then they've just, it's been a little up and down. Back-to-back losses to the Raiders, uh, to the Bengals, and then the Packers. But since they've regrouped, right, they got the, they beat the Broncos, they beat the Seahawks, and they uh, beat the Browns. So they're trying to go here at 4-3 and three and find the consistency. And really, after this week, in an 18-game, 18-week season, we've played nine. So we'll be halfway through, and uh, we've got a better idea about some of these teams, even though this last week, and kind of threw a, a wrench, I would say, in some of that because the predictability of what we thought would happen certainly did not around the NFL uh, this week. All right, so with that said, let's get you more here on First Things First. First Things First. First Things First. All right, the 49ers. Wow. Just wow yesterday. Um, Let's start with the worst news first because the loss wasn't good, but there was concern on the injury front, and it looks like reports say that Mike McGlinchey now, the offensive lineman, one of their best offensive linemen, is going to be out for the year. Mm. Uh, injury of the quad, so he is done. And this is a spot where this team was hurt last year in the injury front. And now, it's not why they lost yesterday, by the way, but that could be a factor going forward in the 49ers scheme of things. Um, yesterday was, was a bad day. Bad day all the way around. I thought they were outplayed, outcoached. Um, they were playing an Arizona team that had more things going against them. Think about that yesterday. You're playing without Kyler Murray, who is playing like an MVP this year, if not one of the front runners. His best weapon and favorite weapon and most reliable weapon for the last couple of years has been DeAndre Hopkins. He was out. Uh, I know they had, a, I think, a special teams coach out. I mean, they just had other people out, and they were the one. We were talking about it earlier, Indiana dictating the terms of the game on the Kings. Well, the Cardinals dictated the terms of the game and played it the way they wanted to. They had extra days to prepare, and it looked like it. The Niners just looked off in every which way. They turned the ball over. They made mistakes. They got behind the game. Then they had to play out of their character, and it didn't work. Outcoached, outplayed, another home loss. Man, and now an injury to McGlinchey. This season that I thought was going to be really productive makes me really wonder my evaluation on this 49er team. Part of it is injury. Part. I'll give them some for that. But what's the real deal here with this team? And when you're Coach Shanahan, and you're not only just the coach, you're you're in there on personnel, um, there's a lot that's going to be looked at on him. And I'm not an overreaction guy on one bad loss, get rid of all the players, get rid of the coach. This isn't about one week, though. And this is about really finding one great year. Is that the outlier? That's what I'm starting to wonder about. Is that the outlier? The great year when they get to the Super Bowl and look the part and look like a team that, I mean, honestly, a a few plays away, we know it. They could have won that Super Bowl. They didn't, but they could have. 
and that would feel even different. They didn't, but it also goes, all right, this team's probably going to be competing for this a lot. And last year, even try to rationalize that with injuries, and really that was a huge reason why. Um, I think partly why they also got Trey Lance. I don't think they fully believe in Jimmy G, but, hey, if Jimmy G were to go down, backup quarterback play has killed this team in the past. Well, they addressed that. They try to address some of the uh, you know things around the edges as far as health and injuries and, and getting better at other areas. But it feels like if the Niners can't play the game exactly the way they need it to go, they can't win. And what's that way? Get ahead, rely on the ground game, solid defense, good special teams, and mix and match the passing when they need it. Yesterday they're down 14, and they have to pass. Or feel like they're in a panic. In one quarter, it's 14 nothing. You can stick with your game plan. But I felt like Arizona had their game plan, executed it with backups. That's what's disheartening for the 49ers and their fans. And another home field loss. They haven't won at home yet this year. So there is time. They weren't buried. I said before last week, they had two games at home, or two games in a row, against the best teams in the NFC West, and that's the Rams and the Cardinals. First it was the Cardinals and the Rams. They didn't have to win both, but you didn't want to lose both. They lost the first one. Puts a lot more pressure on the one this week. And uh, that's going to be a week from tonight, Monday Night Football. And that is going to be very, very difficult for the Niners. And it's at home. Um, Man, after that, it eases up a little bit. But where are they going to be at that point with the Jags, the Vikings, the Seahawks? What else is left? Bengals, Falcons, Titans, man, Texans, and the Rams again. They're going to have to start beating teams that on paper they are not better than or that they may be underdogs against. And that hasn't happened enough. Yesterday was that opportunity where people would say, oh, the Cardinals are better than the Niners. Maybe. Maybe they are. But are they better than with a backup quarterback? And without their best receiver? They were yesterday. And that's why that loss becomes so difficult for the 49ers. More on that coming up when we talk about the best and worst of the NFL weekend at 430. Let's continue with more First Things First. All right, the Raiders. Woof. Another one. Another one of those first-place teams that went and lost yesterday. Now, I don't know if the Raiders truly are a first-place team. They were in the standings, but that division, what we talked about, is like take advantage of your opportunity. Chiefs haven't figured it out yet. Maybe they won't. Uh, Chargers are good, but it stumbled a couple of weeks. Broncos, you felt, okay, you beat them and you pushed them behind you, and then they go into Dallas and have a great win. You were the only team that lost in the division last week, or yesterday, excuse me. And I can't quantify it. I don't know. I don't know the impact of the rug situation, not as the player. I mean, they they could play without him. But as a situation that is un, you, you can't plan for, you don't think will happen. It does happen in life. We know that. But during a season on a team, on a player that starts, that has had a relationship with other players, that's life. He changed someone's life because he was reckless in his decision-making, but his life will be different, and it impacted the Raiders. Now, did that affect him in the game? They say no, so I'm going to take them for their word. So then why'd you lose? Well, you got another team trying to beat you, and it's the Giants, that the one thing they've been able to do okay this year is defend and get the ball, takeaways. And that's what happened yesterday. This wasn't the best version of Derek Carr. Um, 30 of 46, man, he nearly threw it 50 times. And they got to him once or twice, but he threw two picks. And he just he was off. There was some, some passes late where even when 
you know, it, it just felt like they were not in tune all game long, but you kept looking at the score going, they can still win this. And I kept thinking they would, or they'd get it to overtime and then win it that way. Um, Carr missed on some passes. I know he had the one to the end zone to Waller that he sailed. That was high. That was should have been a touchdown. Um, <clears throat> multiple plays like that. And to me, this one is not really an indictment on the team or where I think they're going or anything like that. It's more of a missed chance, a missed opportunity. You're not going to win every game in the NFL, and these things do happen. It's just based on the circumstances around them, and they played first. They didn't know what was going to go on in the division around them. Everybody played in the afternoon between the Chiefs, the Chargers, and the Broncos. But, you know, going into the week, I thought the the Broncos would lose to Dallas. The, the Charger game with the Eagles is probably 50-50, but I thought the Chargers would win. And honestly, I told you, I thought the Packers would beat the Chiefs even without Aaron Rodgers. I really did. And they almost – well, the Chiefs was 13-7 and scoreless in the second half. Jordan Love was awful in the game. And we're going to have more on that coming up. But, you know, the Raiders couldn't have known that's the way the weekend would go around them. But now if you look at their standings and what situation they have, they've just made it a little bit more difficult on themselves especially with a game this weekend when they've got to play the Chiefs, who either are going to figure it out or this is who they are, and we're halfway through the season. That may be more of a true indication of who they are. But by definition, they're now tied, the Raiders are, with the Chargers for first. Chargers would have the tiebreaker based on head-to-head. You brought the Chiefs right there within a half game, and so were the Broncos. So they could have gotten a sixth win, had a little bit more separation. Instead, You fly back home wondering what happened. And when we play some of the sound from the game a little bit later and the reaction, they're not going to blame the Henry Rugg situation. And so I have to go on that. Carr even said, look, I think the best thing that happened to us was getting – I just wanted to play. I mean, I was emotionally spent from the week. I was all sorts of emotions. But, look, I get on the field and, ah, this, this this is the safe place. Probably when they got on the plane, I was feeling like, okay, this this feels normal. We're going somewhere to play a game, and let's go play a good football game. That's what they did not do. They did not play well. I don't think they deserved to win. I thought they had every chance to win, but they didn't. They left the Giants team in it, and then the Giants went and got it, and the Raiders, when they look at it later, I hope this isn't a game they go, man, we let that one slip. I think about the, the Bears game earlier where they, didn't, they just played terribly in that game. This one, they weren't great, but they had their chances and uh, just let those slip away, and um, we'll see if they regret it a little bit later. All right, now let's get you one more on First Things First. First Things First. First Things First. All right, we jump back to the NBA, and one last note here from around the league, and it's regarding Joel Embiid. As word came out of Philadelphia today that Joel Embiid reportedly has uh, tested positive for COVID, and I don't know if they've given an official timetable but he's entered the health and safety protocols and he was planned to be out for tonight's game anyway but it looks like he could miss several games if all things kind of play into uh, consideration the kings won't play them for two weeks so i don't know if it'll impact that he should be back certainly by then but joel Embiid, another mvp candidate another guy that's playing well on a team that's got some issues now without simmons certainly um tobias harris had missed with health and safety protocols now Embiid is going to be missing with health and safety protocols. So as much as it feels like the NBA has done a pretty good job of, one, either masking up, getting players 
vaccinated or safe, it's still COVID hasn't gone away. It's still a possibility. It still can happen even if you are vaccinated. So um, all sorts of different angles here, but just another reminder of where we are in our world as uh, this certainly is something that is still going on. It, maybe it seems more prevalent in certain areas than others, but um, Joel Embiid certainly out for a little while here for the Philadelphia 76ers. All right. Hey, it's uh, let's tell you about sleep first. Time to get a new mattress. Shop local at sleep first. All right. When we come back, we got to get back into the Kings and the Kings games over the weekend. The thrilling win over Charlotte, the loss to Indiana. We'll kind of dissect the two in a little deeper dive. Also still to come the Kings at 10. They've played 10 games. We'll tell you kind of what we like so far, what we've seen through those 10 games coming up at 5 o'clock. But we're back with more on the Kings. That is straight ahead right here on Sports 1140 KHDK. All right, back here on KHDK, Jason Ross here with you. We're at Golden One Center, where tonight it is the Kings and the Phoenix Suns. Second matchup of the year. We'll get into this one coming up in our next segment, where the Kings and uh, Suns currently stand here in their second matchup coming up after that thriller. The first time in which Harrison Barnes hit that game winner. But thinking about the Kings' uh, homestand so far, got a nicely uh, needed victory, I thought, against New Orleans. Uh, last week, and then Friday and Sunday, since our last show, kind of want to look back at those two games. We'll start with Friday and Charlotte. It was just such a fun night because the NBA has the best athletes. It's just so fun to watch these guys get up and down the floor. And as we said earlier about Charlotte, they came in kind of as that it team that they wanted to prove and have wanted to prove that they are more uh, substance than just style, and their style is fun. I mean, LaMelo Ball is a terrific player, and the fact that they are, the way they're constructed, Gordon Hayward, LaMelo Ball, Miles Bridges, um, you go down to Rozier, those are the kind of guys, all of them can hurt you. They're all more than capable, and even a good bench, and they, you know, they're up there in scoring, number one in scoring, up there in pace, and would the Kings actually try to Slow it down against them? Would that be the thought process? That was not the case at all. They wanted to run, and they said, bring it. Let's do it in our house. And they basically ran them out of the building. And not in the traditional way, if you just think fast break points, but it was just offensive execution to a T. And it helps when you make shots at the volume that they did, but they were just efficient everywhere, from two, from the foul line, from three. Of course, when you hit a franchise record, 22 threes, that's, you're going to win a lot of those nights. But it was the other details that Coach always talks about. Um, 29 assists, that was a season best. 140 points, season best. Field goal percentage, season best. Franchise record three. Seven players in double figures. A 2020 night for Rashawn Holmes. And every time I watch him, too, um, he's been terrific this season. I know Charlotte was one of the teams that was very interested in him. And thank- thankfully, the Kings and Rashawn agreed to to keep him here because you can see as much as we put value on all these other players, the value of Rashawn Holmes can't be understated. What he means to this team, his role of just constant production on a guy that on that night specifically, on his 23-point, 20-rebound day, he took 12 shots, made nine of them. I mean, he's always going to be efficient. He's been pretty good at the line. He does other things, and as long as he stays out of foul trouble, he's going to help you. And he's done that. And that game was 
uh, an, an eye opener for me too, because I thought, all right, here's a team that's getting so much attention in Charlotte and the Kings want to play it at their style and they were better at it than them. And that was really nice to see and significantly better, not just, Oh, they edged this one out. I mean, they, they routed them and even took a couple of punches. Like the NBA is about comebacks and leads that get blown or runs. Let's just put it that way. And Charlotte made the run, get it to 12. And that was one thing. If I would have said, ah, man, I think coach Walton waited a, a sequence or two too long to call a timeout. And then before long, Three-pointer, three-pointer, game's back up to 18, and Charlotte calls the timeout. And from 18, they stretch it to 30. They win 140 to 110. So that was that was a lot of fun. It was a fun atmosphere. It was just exciting to see them play that well and execute and rebound like that. Man, that's a number I don't know if we'll see again this year. 56 rebounds to 28 by the Kings. Now that three-point number, that might get defeated. That might get knocked down. 22 made threes, it's a great number, franchise record. I would not be surprised at all if that gets surpassed this year, this season, at all. The Kings are shooting a lot of them. Um, you know, Buddy can make, as he did that night, what did he make, eight? Yeah. Terrence Davis still hasn't had a night where he's cooking. Davion can shoot him. Fox has not been shooting it well. But I could see that number surpassed. I just don't know that we'll see another night this year where the Kings double up an opponent in rebounds. So then let's take you to last night when they were playing, or yesterday afternoon when they played Indiana trying to stack on and go to 3-0 and in the homestand and go to 6-4 and through 10 games. This was one to me that if I could point one area where I wished it would have been different was the first quarter. The first quarter was really the trouble spot to me for the Kings. And you didn't lose a game completely in one quarter, but it really set the tone, one, on how Indiana wanted to play. The Kings, if you remember... <laughs> I think they got to, what, 19 points in the quarter last night? But that also took a Buddy Heald spin move, bullet three from half court that went in to give them 19 at the quarter. So it was just difficult. Um, They didn't shoot well. They didn't get it on their terms. And Indiana, you you just kind of knew it was going to be one of those types of nights. You score a smooth 140 on Friday, and you struggle to get to 91 yesterday two different styles two different ways the league you know is very good at film and and looking at things and and that game made me go well our other team's going to try to do this to the kings and i'm sure they might but how many can do it with the personnel that indiana has now indiana's not the best team now we're getting into matchups and by them having two bigs and some guards that really um did a good job of creating individual matchups that worked out better for Indiana than almost for the Kings. So it's still with all of that felt like a game that the Kings were still going to win. And that to me is what I'm loving the most about this team is it looks like they think they're going to win no matter what hole or deficit or what time of the game it is. They have the look of a team that believes they can win. And, And the only other way I can put this is over the years, let's pick probably the most consistent team in the last, what, 10 years, eight years, has been the Warriors, right? They had that five-year run where they were amazing. Well, if you were the Kings and you were playing the Warriors and you were a Kings fan watching a Kings-Warriors game and the Kings were ahead, let's say, by eight in the fourth quarter, you're not comfortable. You're thinking, well, this team's coming back. Like, when's it happening? When are they going to get us? When's that Steph three going to happen or a Warrior run and all of a sudden the Kings are down 10? Like, you just would sense that. 
I feel like this team, again, they're not the Warriors. I'm not trying to go there. But I feel like they've got that belief in themselves that we, I'm saying them, we, we're going to win. No matter how we got there, no matter how, if it's in a slow pace, if it's a bad shooting night, if it's a great shooting night, whatever it is, someone's off their game, De'Aaron's not playing well, or Barnes, whoever, we're going to win. I feel like that's how they are approaching every game, that compete level we talk about a lot. It's important to have. They have it. They have a belief. Ten games in, that's one of the observations I see, and I think that's encouraging, and they had that yesterday on a night where it wasn't easy, um, where shots weren't falling consistently, and any kind of run, Carlisle calls a timeout or a set play. Like, he was – Carlisle was – and, you know – Coaching and maybe overcoaching to an extent. Like I, I want to have full control of this game. And to me, I think where basketball is beautiful is if you implement your stuff and you read, you react, you let your players feel the game. Carlisle was trying to control more of it, and it made sense. That was their best chance to win, and that's and it worked. Um, I think Coach Walton plays and coaches more on feel. I think a lot of coaches really, I mean, if you go to the, like yesterday to me felt like a 90s basketball game in the sense where look over to the coach, I'm giving you every play, every play. Who uh, Coach Fratello used to do that. Mike Fratello would call a play every time. Point guard would get it. He could have veteran point guards, Mark Pryor, whoever he had, I'm calling a play. It's like let, let these guys, can, can your point guard decide? Can you have a feel for the game? Hey, this is a match. If you go, anybody that's played any kind of pickup or any competitive basketball you you game knows itself. You know out there you're like, oh, I like this matchup. This is going to work. Or this guy's cooking. Or, hey, that guard, that wing, that post can't handle our guy. I'm going to get whatever we're doing, we're going to get the ball there. Now, the coach may call that, but you like it when your players have that feel or that sense and that identity of this is what's working right now. Let's go. Let's do it. And Carlisle was like, I'm going to control the, the terms of this. We're going to slow everything down, and I'm going to get the best situations we possibly can. And then when it got to a little bit more of creativity, let's get the ball to Karis Levert and see if he can shake guys and go one-on-one. And, you know, Mitchell was guarding him like it was amazing, but he was trying to always get to that sweet spot of a two-pointer. I thought the Kings should have forced Levert, maybe even uh, T.J. McConnell into long jumpers, three-pointers. They were trying to get into the paint and create things, and Indiana was not hitting a lot of threes, not even taking a lot of threes. And I felt the Kings could have adjusted there just a little bit as the game went along. But with all that said, here they were with a chance to win and a little bit better late game execution. And they might be looking at a three and a homestand and a six and four start. Instead, it's a two and one homestand and a five and five start, but still a good opportunity tonight to take on this Phoenix Suns team and make this a really productive homestand. Speaking of that, we're going to spotlight the Suns when we come back. It is the Kings and the Suns. We'll talk about this game when we return right here on Sports 1140 KHDK. to go. Position at top is Buddy Hill and Harrison Barnes. Box with the inbounds to Barnes. He turns. He fires for the win. He's got the bucket at the buzzer. Harrison Barnes in very similar fashion to his victory last year at Golden 1 Center against the Cleveland Cavaliers, I believe it was, has just nailed a buzzer-beating three. The Kings win it 110-107. You know, I mean, it's credit to my, my teammates and my coaches. They have a lot of a lot of faith in me you know, to give me the opportunity to shoot that shot. You know, Fox 
had a lot of options, obviously found me on that. So just try to, you know, just be at peace. Um, live with the results and just be the cause. Uh, we knew it was going in. We knew it was going in for a minute. They left his hands. So uh, you know, just a, a great moment to experience. Uh, he's back tonight. Fire Falcon. The Black Falcon. Harrison Barnes. And that was such a great moment earlier this year. His second game winner as a king, his third of his career. And last night, too, by the way, the Kings were trying to get the ball late in the game. Uh, the one where Halliburton shot the deep three. They were trying to get it to Harrison Barnes. But there's another team out there that's scouting and game planning, and they took that away. So you go to another option. And um, But in Phoenix, the option was Harrison Barnes. A really tough shot. He made that one. And so tonight it's the Kings and Suns part two uh, tonight of that regular season matchup. Suns, as we mentioned, have won four in a row after losing to the Kings on that game one of the five-game homestand. And uh, they're five and three. This uh, The Kings are five and five. Phoenix tonight will be playing without DeAndre Ayton, which feels like a big deal uh, as he went for 21 and 21 the last time they played. So what do you expect to be different tonight? Well, one of the things to watch for is Phoenix now has been shooting a little more threes without uh, – Aiton in there. Kaminsky will do that. JaVale McGee will likely start. Um, Three-pointers were a huge difference in the first matchup in the game. The Kings won by three, um, 110-107. Kings hit 15 threes. Phoenix hit six. I mean, when you make nine more, you got to make up for 27 points somewhere. Well, the Suns were able to uh, do a good job on a couple other areas, uh, specifically in the paint. It was 60-42 to 42 Phoenix. They got to the foul line a lot more than the Kings. Uh, rebounding, we say that's a season-long thing for the Sacramento Kings to worry about. The Kings were out-rebounded by 16. So, you know, the Kings have to be better in this matchup tonight, and it's going to be different. Booker's been playing really well. He ended with 31. Chris Paul, I don't think he's going to go one for 10. He was awful that game. Uh, he's been distributing really well, so... You're not going to get the night from Aiton, but there are other more capable people that will likely elevate their game, and it might be played with uh, smaller personnel all the way around the board, and I think that's a lot of skill that's going to be on the floor tonight. Uh, the other thing I wonder about Phoenix, um, on, on another measure that you can't, or another factor that you can't measure, would be what's going on off the court with their owner and Robert Sarver. I don't know that it directly affects the players. I mean, but as an organization, that's just a little bit of a cloud that's out there. I, I could only think and relate to certain things that happen when the Kings have gone through stuff, whether it's been ownership changes, certainly the move. You know, it's something we talked about every day on the radio. Are they going to Seattle? Is this happening? Uh, where are the Maloofs on it? I mean, just and then, you know, you'd ask Jason Thompson or DeMarcus or people, you know, it's like, well, I'm just playing and it's not really important to me. And maybe it wasn't, but it just felt like there was a cloud over things. And I don't know if there is with Sarver, certainly, but even with Aiton for not getting that contract extension before the year. Again, with all that said, Phoenix is still 5-3. and three, So it's not like things are falling apart for them. But it's always better, always easier when there is nothing else to worry about. But it's pretty rare for that. And sometimes things don't get out. Maybe there's locker room turmoil or... Um, something going on on the inside that we just don't know about with teams, but sometimes it becomes public. And it's really hard, like I said, to quantify what this is doing to the, this current Phoenix Suns team. Some of them have been there a while, maybe even front office people that have to answer things or, or going through what is being alleged. Those aren't, those aren't good situations at all. 
to be going through. So we'll see. Well, tonight, I don't, again, on the game, I don't know that it's going to have much of an impact at all, but just how this one plays out, how the season plays out for Phoenix and uh, this matchup in matchup number two. Uh, Chris, we got to get an update on uh, since we last had a show on Friday. What's what's the latest with our, our linear championship situation? Well, as you know, Jason, the Wizards defeated the Memphis Grizzlies. Yep. And the Memphis so Grizzlies were... were the only team to successfully defend the linear championship. Okay. Wizards were playing the Bucks, and if the Bucks won, they would have been three-time linear champions this year. Oh, this early? Wow, that's crazy. So, let's go to the judges. Let's go to the judges. The winner of this bout, and still, nobody beats me. It's still the Wizards, and they will so be we... taking on the Cleveland Cavaliers coming up pretty soon. Okay, the Cleveland's kind of sneaky good this year for some reason. I say for some reason. It just, I was unexpected. Um, so the Wiz, okay. Two times. in Washington, if we look kind of around the NBA uh, on standings at this point, Washington has been a pleasant surprise. They're currently fourth in the East at 7-3. and three. I like that. I like what we're seeing with Washington. Uh, and Cleveland, 7-4. and four. That's a good matchup. That is a good matchup. You got something ready for Cleveland if need be? You got I, an idea? I don't, but it's something I'm going to have to work on. All right. Well, you got time. You got time because the Wizards still have it. We'll see how this uh Actually, this I think I do. Up. Okay. I think I got something good. Oh, good. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, we are following it. We followed it from game one all the way here, and so the Wizards have had it a couple times. They've defended it twice, as had, uh, uh, who was it, Memphis that had done that. So, uh, Kings haven't had, had haven't played for it yet. Haven't really been close to it. I thought there was a couple of avenues early where it could be in a game where they could uh, be on the horizon, but uh, didn't quite happen that way. So tonight, Kings and Phoenix Suns for the second time. Uh, there was a little bit of concern too about uh, Tyrese Halliburton and his health um, for tonight's game. Uh, right now, the only players that are out on the feet, uh, the court are Davion Mitchell. He's getting jump shots up, as is Buddy Heald. So those guys out here early going through their workouts. Um, trying to see if they can have a, a much better shooting day than happened last night. And, you know, I feel like both are a little bit of outliers. I don't expect the Kings to hit the 22 threes that they did uh, consistently on Friday or the poor shooting that they had yesterday. I'm looking at Buddy right now. I'm thinking about the, you know, he had a couple of two significant shots to me yesterday. The one that he made at the end of the first quarter, the spin and heave from half court. And then the bizarre shot that he had yesterday that spun around the rim, I don't know, three or four times. And then when it finally slowed down and lost its momentum, I thought, okay, good, it's going to fall in. And then it went one more revolution out. Uh, so, you know, all those points add up. And one they got, one they didn't. So it kind of felt like it added up there. But, boy, the Kings didn't didn't get their share of bounces yesterday. But credit the Pacers for getting that win. All right, so here we go. We've completed one hour. Coming up in the next hour at 4.30, the best and worst of this NFL weekend. It was a wild weekend. we got to dive deeper into the 49ers and the Raiders' losses. We'll do that when we come back, though. Much more of the show to get to, including other stuff that happened. The Weekend Roundup is next right here on KHDK.